Hello everyone, I'm Reverend Carla and welcome to Spirituality Matters. So let's settle in to find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together today is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, so let's get started. Today's podcast is titled Honoring What Was, and there is so much going on in this week. It goes way beyond Halloween, which I know as a child, that was something I looked forward to every year. Since my birthday was in October, I always kind of bookended it between the beginning of the month when my birthday was and and Halloween. But not only is it Halloween this year, we have a full moon that's going to be on Halloween night. Now I could do a podcast every day on just this topic alone. So I'm going to do my best to try to break it up across all the platforms and capture all the content for this week. But more importantly, I'm going to encourage you to create space around this content because yes, we're going to be talking about Halloween, but we're going to be talking about sorrow, grief, and loss. Which brings us back to the title of this week's teaching theme, which is Honoring What Was. Now, when I was in private practice and seeing spiritual care clients, I would have clients who were looking to explore their spiritual truth or recover from some kind of religious trauma. And a lot of times what brought them to me was they would be dealing with some kind of of life crisis. And for whatever reason, what had been working in their life was no longer working. They simply did not have the resources in their spiritual or emotional toolkit to deal with this crisis. So once we started to untangle some of what was happening, we would often come to a place where unprocessed grief lived in their hearts, in their minds, and their souls. So if unprocessed grief is residing in that many places, of course it is going to impact how you are showing up in the world. You simply cannot carry that much baggage for very long. Now I want to pause here for a minute and talk a little bit about what unprocessed grief looks like. It looks like the kind of grief that we have after we suffer some kind of tremendous uh, tremendous or tragic or horrific loss and that kind of loss stays with us perpetually throughout our life and if we're not somehow able to unpack that from time to time and deal with it that gets heavy that is still in us even though we're trying to push it down and force it down into our our minds and our hearts So it gets very heavy and it gets old and tiring. And especially here in America, we simply just do not do a very good job of dealing with grief and sorrow. We're not very good at comforting the grieving and we ourselves often don't know how to deal with grief. And sometimes we treat it like we might treat a broken arm. If you immobilize an arm for six weeks by putting it in a cast or some kind of sling, you take it off after six weeks and there, you're all better, maybe a little rehab and you're all better, Every you just go on with your life. But nothing could be farther from the reality when it comes to grief. This is something that we carry with us forever. There is never going back to this thing called normal. And I know all of a sudden it's like, how did we get from Halloween to this? But it will all start making sense as we come full circle with today's topic. So I am, once again, I'm going to invite you to give this 
time and space with me today so that you can fully process what may arise for you as we journeyed into this topic. And like I said, um, this is a jam-packed week, so the other platforms, I'll go into the history of Halloween and the sacredness around the ritual of a full moon and, and things like that. But for our time together here today, we're going to concentrate on All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Because the placement of these two days directly after Halloween is intentional. And that placement is intentional by the church. So I think it was back in the 7th century, uh, the Pope established All Saints Day. It was originally going to be celebrated in May, but it was later moved to um, November 1st. And this was not... This was very hidden in plain sight. It was an intention of creating a holy day that would preempt the celebrations that people were having around the autumn equinox or the end of harvest. Um, there is a Celtic festival called Samhain that will I'll go into more in my blog, but this was an incredibly strategic placement. Because how else are you going to convince the people to turn to religion unless you put a holiday right smack dab in the middle of their celebrations and rituals? So All Saints Day was created to celebrate the saints in the Catholic Church. And guess what? Just like they were doing with their end of harvest celebrations, which was dancing and reveling and lighting bonfires, people were encouraged to dance and light bonfires and celebrate into the night, the night before All Saints Day. So All Saints Day actually began the night before, which is what our traditional Halloween began on Samhain. So this is a perfect example of religious or cultural appropriation. We're hearing that a lot right now about how we have to be very sensitive about how we appropriate another people's cultures or identity by using them in costumes or language or dialect or whatever it is. But this is a very classic example of taking a, a tradition and supplanting it with a religious tradition. So what they did was they would take that pagan holiday and, and supplant it with this religious holiday and then demand that people take part in it. And not only do we see it in, in Samhain and All Saints Day, we also see it in Christmas and Easter. And as time goes on, we'll cover those in other podcasts. So back to All Saints Day. So what this is, it's an annual celebration to honor the saints who have been established as saints in the Catholic Church. So I like there's several websites that I use for my uh, research on this, and I my poor computer. Some di- the the other night it was having trouble um, starting up, and I realized I had over 80 tabs open. <laughs> my poor computer. That's going to max any processor. So I'm trying to do a better job. But one of my favorite places to do research is, is a site called learnreligion.com, learnreligions.com. So you can check that out. And I'll also have a link in the show notes for this. And I'll also, I want to be very mindful here. I am not Catholic. And I don't even want to pretend to be an authority on this. I'm not a theologian. So I'm taking my info for what I consider very qualified researches. You'll see in the show notes that I do use several Catholic resources that I consider very, um, very qualified to be able to talk about this. But according to uh, learnreligious.com, learnreligions.com, All Saints Day celebrates all of the faithful who are in heaven. Now, 
after the Protestant Reformation and Protestant churches then started to be established when we had, you know, good old Martin Luther who pinned or nailed the 95 Theses on the church door and then the Protestant Protestantism was born, that those churches were no longer under the authority of the Catholic Church. However, several of the Protestant churches still continue to honor All Saints Day, not exactly in the same manner that the Catholics will. So for instance, in Catholicism, they might hold mass on um, All Saints Day so that you come in and you honor the saints in that way. But some of the Protestant churches now that still honor All Saints Day are like the Lutherans and the Methodists and the Presbyterians. And I can tell you as a former Presbyterian, we always had some kind of uh, commemoration of that day. And there may be others that have somehow filtered into those denominations. Don't forget, we're talking now about over 25,000 Christian denominations worldwide, and some of those figures take it up as high as 30,000. So we're talking about a lot of different um, traditions and rituals that may have kind of um, bled through, if you will, into into other denominations. So what you're honoring here are the saints, and those are saints that that the Catholic Church has deemed to be either martyrs or some someone who has, has been qualified to be a saint, and they are part of that church's heritage. So that would make sense that Christians around the world and many denominations would celebrate that, because if you look at the history of the church, there is some kind of road or path that takes us back to the Catholic Church. And in fact, some of the countries that are primarily Catholic, All Saints Day is a national holiday. People get off work to be able to to acknowledge this and honor it, and people will actually travel home. So it's almost like our American Thanksgiving. They will travel back to their childhood home to take part in the rituals surrounding the all of the events. So what the, what the word that uh, comes to commemorate the evening before All Saints Day is All Hallow Tide, or All Hallows Eve, or Hallows Eve, and now you start to see the blending into the word Halloween. Because that night was also the evening before Halloween. So we're, again, we're going back into some of the ancestral cultural traditions that for that evening of Samhain or whatever else the other people were calling it, they believed that at this time, the veil between the earthly and the heavenly or the mystical or even the dark realm was very thin. So even though there was room to be grateful because of the bountiful harvest and knowing that it was time to face the darkness and the mysterious darkness and fear of of what that was. Because, you know, we're talking about back in time where you just couldn't go back to your flip on a switch to get heat in your home. A lot of their life, not only their livelihood, but their life depended on how bountiful the harvest was and whether or not they would survive the winter. So you have the All Hallows Eve, then you had All Saints Day, and then All Souls Day, which was the, the day after All Saints Day. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. So even though All Saints Day, like I said, is technically commemorated by Catholics and a few Protestant denominations, this element of connection or inspiration is certainly relevant for us today. And it sits on the periphery of, of our spiritual path, because I think if you are, if you are like me, there are several saints who inspire me, and some of them that belong to the generations of people who are on a gener- any, any kind of spiritual journey. So when you look at some of those saints, 
the Catholic Church counts the apostles as a saint. So, of course, the apostles belong to Christianity, not just the Catholic Church. But some of the other ones who have inspired me, so I'm just going to name some of mine, and of course I would encourage you to go research some of these saints, and there, there's, I think it's Catholic church.org but again they'll it'll be in my show notes but go look at these saints because there's a, a mound of information about them and it's incredibly inspirational but mine are um joan of arc saint francis of assisi saint claire of assisi saint patrick and of course that's good old saint patrick of saint patrick's day saint valentine maybe some of you didn't even know that there is a saint that's related to valentine's day and whose story is quite different than what valentine's day has been has that we have come to know saint Teresa of avila and saint catherine of siena so you can see i have a nice uh, varied list of saints that inspire me and that's just to name a few um, I do, however, find it interesting, and I feel like you just always have to hold space for this because you can also research, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes as well, about how many of the saints that, have, that are now saints have actually been martyred, and not only martyred, been martyred by the church. And the first one that comes to mind for me is Joan of Arc. She was actually burned at the stake alive for heresy and dressing in men's clothes. Now, as far as naming her a saint, that actually went very quickly. I think it was only about 20 years after she was uh, killed. She was they, The church said that was a mistake, and they did name her a, um, a saint. So somewhere up in heaven, I'm sure Joan has forgiven all of that and is okay with it. But I think it's, it's, an, it's an interesting part of religious history that we all should be mindful when we live in fear how careless and reckless and dangerous it can be when we decide to wield unyielding power and deadly force to force others to believe what we do. So I'll stop, I'll stop right there because that's enough on that. We'll have plenty of time later. As a matter of fact, I do want to mention that I do a video um, in, in TikTok, if you found me there, on some of the mistakes that have been made um, over the years by, by um, religion. So for Catholics for this day, they may, this may be commemorated by Mass, but for Protestants and the unchurched, of course, we won't be doing Mass, but how can we put inspiration and meaning around this in our lives? In other words, how do we connect with these saints and their stories? And like I said, there's an opportunity to learn about these because they belong to all of us. So... One of the things I'm doing right now is reading a book uh, about Joan of Arc. And what I find really interesting about this book, not only is it, is it fascinating, but it is written by none other than Mark Twain. I mean, think about that. Mark Twain, who he spent 12 years 12 years researching. He even traveled worldwide. He spent 12 years researching Joan of Arc before writing this story, and I'm truly enjoying it. And then another one that really inspires me is St. Francis of Assisi because he's the patron saint of animals. So he has always spoken to me. If you've ever seen um, how St. Francis is depicted, it's usually if he's in some kind of garden ornament, it, he's shown with uh, animals all around him. And as someone who spent many years in animal welfare, I always felt connected to him. As a matter of fact, when I was going through the time where I was working mm, 60, 80 hours a week to establish a spay-neuter clinic, he was someone that I actually would 
call into my spiritual work because I felt like that was something that could help me stay focused and mindful of what some of the things that um, I was working on and its impact for humanity, but also just all of all of humankind and uh, and the animals that are here with us that bless us. Okay, and also another thing, his his uh, the feast of Saint Francis of Assisi always occurs on my birthday, so that's something that I always found uh, very special and meaningful for me. Now the Bible also mentions three angels. They are Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, and those three angels are angels that are mentioned as saint in the Catholic Church as well. So I will include a link in there so you can learn more about where they are mentioned in the Bible and so that you can also just become connected with them because once again, those aren't those are angels that belong to all of us, anybody who's on a spiritual path. So, but let's expand on the journey of discovery to humans who have left this earthly realm and who may have inspire you because there's no reason that we just have to be limited to the designated saints in the Catholic Church. I know for me personally, I have many heroes in my life story. So this is a way that we are taking this day of All Saints Day because the Catholic Church holds the authority to name certain people who have gone on to the heavenly realm as saints, but that doesn't stop us from deciding ourselves who are heroic saints in our own lives. And so this is another way that we can honor this season of All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day. Excuse me, All Souls' Day. Now, it doesn't mean that these humans are perfect. None of us are. But who are the heroes in your life story. Now I'm thinking outside of not your just your family or direct family or your your ancestors. Let's save that conversation for just a little bit when we talk about All Souls Day. I want you to expand out into the world. And maybe I can help you a little bit if I tell you some about uh, who my heroes have been. The first one is Gandhi. And that's probably not a surprise for some of you will probably uh, name him as well. One of his uh, things that he has said that I keep with me at all times is, in a gentle way, you can change the world. And if you think of Gandhi's words over the years, he was an incredibly gentle human, but he also pushed back very hard on human rights. And he did it through his um, the way he influenced people. And I, am, I admire that. It reminds me sometimes that the most important way to impact people is to be vulnerable enough and courageous enough to show them your heart, but also establish your boundaries. So I think that's a good way. It inspires me to be passionate and courageous at the same time. Martin Luther King, of course, he's so many people's um, inspiration, especially for those of us who are allies to the Black Lives Matter and to people who are who are oppressed. But one of my favorite quotes of his is life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? So even though he's very much known about for the civil rights movements of the 60s, he had a very much a, a, a mystical, global, universal view. His message was much bigger than just 
what he's primarily known for. So I want to say that again, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? That's something that we could ask ourselves every day just to make sure that we're working for something other than just getting through the day. Nelson Mandela is another one of my heroes, and he said, it always seems impossible until it's done. That's for sure. <laughs> I feel like that's part of my uh, life all the time. Like I think I'm never going to get up a mountain, but it always seems impossible and, until it's done. And I think about the courage and the wisdom than the bravery it took for him to stay the course to be the major force that ended apartheid. So go, you can also go re research him as well if you're not sure about his life. And of course, Mother Teresa. She died in 1997, and she was canonized by the Catholic Church in 2016. So she is a saint, but I still count her as one of my heroes. And one of her, my favorite quotes of hers was, Peace begins with a smile. So once again, it reminds us to be courageous and be mindful and passionate, but it's also there's an element of kindness in what we do. Now Desmond Tutu is still living, but he is still one of my life heroes. And one of the things I will never forgive myself for is he spoke in Indiana, up in Indianapolis. Uh, oh gosh, it's probably been about 10 or 12 years ago before he retired. And uh, the tickets were free to go see him, but I knew that you had to call in to get them. And I had to go run an errand. And when I got back, they, the, the lines opened up and I went to run my errand 15 minutes. And when I got back, they were sold out. All the tickets were sold out. And I, I will never forgive myself because I think I've missed the time to see him. He's well into his 80s, if not into his 90s now. And um, he's just a, an amazing person. And I encourage you to research about him as well. But one of the things he said is, my humanity is bound up in yours, for we can only be human together reminding us again of this global universal connection of all of us. And then the last one I want to talk about is the Dalai Lama. And I have heard uh, the Dalai Lama speak a couple of times, and it's been such an honor to see him and be in his presence. But what he said that speaks to me is compassion is the radicalism of our time. Compassion is the radicalism of our time. So now I would invite you to take a moment and consider if you can't do it now but consider creating the heroes in your story who are they who speaks to you who inspires you and it doesn't have to be of course as someone who went into ministry you can see the kind of connections of the people who inspire me but there are so many other there who, who have blazed the trail who have fought with courage to change the world, to leave the world a better place, who are those people in your story? And maybe perhaps create a journal practice around learning about their lives so that you can understand those elements and the commitment it takes to be the change in the world, to be that kind of person. So I'd encourage you to use that as part of your spiritual practice. So not only look at the saints, but look at just the history of humanity and see what's out there. So we can take this practice into the simplicity of this spirituality, which is just simply reading about another person's history. But what's more important is it also connects you to our collective history. So 
especially in this season that we're in right now where people can be so divided by religious beliefs, by demographics, by the color of their skin, this kind of practice reminds you that the most impactful humans are the ones who understand that we rise above and to a higher calling. So the most impactful humans know that we rise above this and we exist to impact at this higher calling. So I don't want this to end up being a two-hour podcast, so I'm going to uh, quickly switch gears here so that we can move into All Souls Day because remember, that occurs immediately after All Saints Day. Now, back to religion, learnreligions.com who tells us that All Saints Day is about celebrating the faithful that are in heaven all Saints Day, which one, once again, this was established by the Catholic Church. This is about those who have died and are now in purgatory, which is a place or a state of suffering inhabited by the souls of sinners who are um, waiting to cl be cleansed of their sins before going to heaven. Now, I'm going to pause here a minute because I want to make this clear. There are many Protestant churches, and I've attended them, that do celebrate All Souls Day, but without any reference to purgatory. Purgatory is definitely a Catholic belief. So you can still honor the essence and the sacredness of All Souls Day without having to believe in the purgatory. Because I can tell you once again, just like with All Saints Day, many of the Protestant churches honor this All Souls Day and make no reference to purgatory because that, like I said, that's a Catholic belief. So this is where, dear ones, I'd like you to take a breath and let's talk about how we can bring this relevance and sacredness and this wisdom into our lives. Because most often, we would honor those who had died the previous year. So inside church, the way All Souls Day would be honored is those who were in membership or fellowship or community with you in church, there would be a service around that that would honor their lives. So there would be some kind of altar set up. Their names would be read aloud. Their families would be acknowledged of those who had left us. And it would be a, a, a beautiful, meaningful service. And it would very much hold the space for those who were still hurting, including those of us who were in fellowship with those people who had left. And it was a beautiful way to honor the ebb and flow of life. So this is, once again, we're going to ask you to consider this outside of the religious context because we don't want to be accused of cultural or religious appropriation. But... Let's look back once again at the origins of the, these three days. If we go back and just look at what people were observing who were observing the earth-based rituals, whether it was Samhain or anything else around the world that people were doing to celebrate the end of the harvest, they were doing this as part of their beliefs, as part of their culture. The religious part, these established religious rituals came in later 
and they kind of suffocated or supplanted the earth-based rituals. But the earth-based rituals, the wisdom that was around that time was already there. In other words, they were holding space to acknowledge that the end of October really was the time when the earth was officially turning towards the darkness, the time of abundant living and life with the, har- with the growing season was over, the harvest was complete, and the darkness was now coming. Any of the religious rituals that ended up coming over top of that have no biblical basis. They are human-made. And to be honest, not only are they human-made, they're man-made. Since we're talking about a strong patriarchal system of religion and existence at that time. So we're not grabbing Catholic beliefs or the rituals around the Catholic traditions and claiming them. In fact, many Protestant churches continue to honor the sanctity of these human-made rituals without holding fast to the beliefs surrounding these these two days. What we're doing is going back and binding the ancestral traditions to our lives today. And that that and through the filter of religion in there. So it allows us to kind of scoop back into time and find what sacred wisdom was always there. This truth, these connections are for everyone because the truth is each one of us has some kind of connection to indigenous humans. They would have had traditions and rituals around the changings of the seasons, around the sun, around the moon, the harvest, birth, life, and death. So I'm inviting you to consider how you can connect to not only your ancestral heritage, but how you can explore that lineage back to that time. So if we focus right now on All Souls Day, the place that lives inside you. Yes, now you've been invited to consider All Saints Day and people who may inspire you. Now, dear ones, we're talking about you. We're talking about you personally and your loss and your grief. So I want to go back to how I started with this podcast, and that is with your story. And I want to ask you some questions. And these questions would be a good place to take this podcast and just pause and write them down and use them as part of your spiritual practice to help heal what's inside you or even to become aware of it. Because oftentimes when we start, when we are open enough to ask these kinds of questions and then answer them, things arise for us that we didn't even consider because we are inviting the holy into our lives. So the first question I'm asking you is where are you holding grief? And if nothing comes right now, that's okay. Sitting with these questions may be all you need to do, but where are you holding grief? And when was the last time you paused to acknowledge the grief or the sorrow that you carry? And I want you, don't try to define it. Don't try to put it around a loss of a person, a loss of a pet, a loss of a job. You might think you know where that grief is arising, but oftentimes we don't. 
So you don't have to know the answers to these questions right now. We're just inviting you in to discover what may arise for you. So once again, when was the last time you paused to acknowledge the sorrow you carry? Because the reality is, as we live, we are going to experience loss. That is part of the human experience. Our ancestors knew it. They knew how to honor the passing of time. And I mentioned your pets. What about your pets? Sometimes those are some of the hardest losses of all because they are a part of our lives and then they are gone. So sometimes they're the anchor. You can't ever remember a time where that dog or that cat or that bird or that fish or rabbit, whatever it is, was not a part of something that you experienced as you journeyed through life. And then they are gone. We usually don't have funerals and we certainly are at a place and we are not at a place in our culture where we get time off for pet bereavement. But the human psyche experience experiences loss of any kind of loss. It's just plain loss. So that also makes it, sometimes the, the feelings collide with trying to rationalize that how could you be hurting so much at the, for the loss of a cat or a dog or one of your beloved pets. But our psyche, our heart and our soul, our mind does not distinguish between humans or pets. We tend to box it up and just force it down because it, believe me, it just doesn't work that way. So we tend to create rituals around celebrations of anniversaries and birthdays and any other kind of joyous event. But is there space in your life to consider rituals around loss? Now, I'm recording this a few days after my aunt's birthday, and she died in 2010. But on my table right now is, um, in my sunroom, is her picture and her dolls and a candle that I lit the, in, on her birthday in her honor. And right now, I'm not ready to return to that altar and dismantle. There are some flowers there, and they're looking pretty ragged, but I'm not ready to dismantle it. I'm still needing her presence here right now. But soon I will. And the tears flowed so freely that day for me as if her death just happened. The pain, it was just so raw and real. But beloveds, there was something sacred about revisiting how much she meant to me through the loss that I still carry from her. So when we understand that one of our gifts of living a full life, a a life so fully that when that loss comes, it floods us with immeasurable sorrow, that is how we know we are living well. So does this day, does All Souls Day invite you to consider how you may begin to create ritual around those you have loved and lost? Is it inviting you to consider that from which you came? Is it inviting you to discover your ancestral heritage? Is it inviting you to look at the rituals that your ancestors would have done around this time of year? Is there um, inquiry into your DNA? Where did you come from? Because their blood, their DNA is flowing through you right now. They are still here. They are a part of your heritage. What do you know about your heritage? So this is a day to explore and honor it in some sacred way, if that feels right to you. So there is so much here. Yes, it is not only a day to honor, 
but it is a day to heal. When we pause and express gratitude for what was, it uh, invites us to check into those places in our soul, in our psyche, that we rarely visit. That's how we honor what was. When we can be more fully present to live with gratitude for what is right now. And blessed be and amen. Okay, each week I invite you to submit questions and I do my best to answer them. And today the question is, do you have any tips for dealing with religious trauma? Oh, dear ones, do I have tips. First of all, I would encourage you, especially if you're not following me on TikTok, to to do so. I spend quite a bit of time on there, so you would have to scroll through some of my um, videos. There's not a good way to catalog them right now. TikTok's still a growing platform. But I talk a lot about religious trauma there, but also I think it's important for you to understand that you are not alone. By hearing other people's stories, so scroll through the comments, and of course ignore any of the the hate-filled ones. We try to keep those at a minimum, but we do give people their space to speak their mind. But when you look at how people have been traumatized by religion, by being told that their red hair is a sign of the devil, by being told that if they write with their left hand that they will be cursed the rest of their life, by being told that because their parents had them out of wedlock that they will forever be damned, or that they were abomination by being told because you're gay that you are an abomination in the sight of God. There are so much, there's so much there that people are coming together in community to share their stories. And when you do that, when you hear other people desiring to share their stories, you feel validated. It gives you a place where you can say, I no longer want to believe this narrative that somebody said about me that has no place in religion. It has no place about my truth, and it has no place about how God feels about me. Now, religious trauma is no different than regular trauma. There are many counselors and therapists now who are specializing in helping people recover from religious trauma. So depending on how that's manifesting in your life, if it's paralyzing you, in ways where you are incapacitated to cope with life, then I would encourage you to look for a counselor or a therapist who is qualified with religious trauma. If it's more of a way where you just have never really explored it, but you know that you're carrying experiences that are very hurtful, and you know that by the way you get triggered when certain things are brought up, or even if it's a song from your past or uh, a reminder about something that happened in church, that I would encourage you to bring in your experience into this kind of community that we're building on social media, here on these podcast platforms and places like that. So you will have to be the judgment, I, judge of that. I certainly can't do that from afar for you, but I hope that whatever is causing you some kind of trauma, that you will consider ways that you can release it and so that you can live fully in the life that you, that you have now and that you can be fully blessed and be filled with joy. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you for yet another week, and I pray that you receive something because I know I did. The teacher teaches what she needs to hear. So now I ask that you go in peace and that you be the peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved. 
just the way you are. Okay, blessings on your week, and I will see you soon. Bye for now. If you like what you heard today, be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. To submit questions to Rev Carla, email us at spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. Follow at Rev Carla on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Check out her blog posts on revcarla.com and go ahead and sign up for email alerts while you're there so you don't miss a thing. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.